you for joining us today at Berkeley Evangelistic Association to our broadcast. We welcome each and every one of you to our services today, and we thank you for tuning us in. We're going to be continuing uh, with our series study on prayer and forgiveness, and we've come to lesson number 11, our conclusion, the final thoughts, uh, as we close this, another series on prayer and forgiveness. Now, we're going to have our opening prayer, as we always do, and then we're going to get right into our lesson as we do the conclusion of prayer and forgiveness. Lord, thank you for the blessings of life. I thank you, Lord, for so many things in my life that uh, I see your hand has been in it for over 50 years that I've been trying to serve you the best that I know how. And Father, you've always protected me and you've always lifted me up and kept me safe and above uh, the evil in this world. And Father, I pray that you will continue to do that until this life is complete. Father, be with each one that's listening today. Lord, I pray for their needs and their special uh, requirements, whatever they may be. Lord, for those that are sick, I pray for their healing. Father, be with them, be with their families. Lord, give them a blessing, richly bless them with a double, double portion of your love and grace. Father, forgive us of our sins where we fail you. Lord, there are so many times in our life that we uh, get busy with other things and we forget sometimes. But Lord, you're always there in our heart. We know that your Holy Spirit is always with us. Now, Father, be with this message. Father, I pray that it would go out and touch the hearts of men, that if anyone that doesn't know Jesus, today would be that day that they would make that commitment. Now, be with us through this service, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when people we love pass away, we want to cling to their last words or in some cases of their last actions. When my dad died, he couldn't speak. But I know that the actions that uh, the Holy Spirit, God allowed certain actions that he portrayed uh, at his passing to let me know and the family know that he was in fact with Jesus Christ. He went to heaven it was just a miracle the way that it all happened. I'll never forget it. But Christians pass from here to eternity. And like I'm saying, sometimes God allows a glimpse of glory to reassure us, the loved ones, that he has them in his care. And in my case, when my dad passed away, I knew that God had him. The angels came to take him home. Thousands of years ago, Jesus went to the cross and was crucified for our sins and to pay our sin debt. There was no way that mankind would ever, ever be able to pay the price for their sin. It would have been death and eternal damnation for all of us for sure if it had not been for Jesus Christ. In closing out this study on prayer and forgiveness, I want to briefly reflect on the power of forgiveness. When one truly has a godly love and a compassion and mercy, he is able to forgive. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, this is what he said when he was on the cross. Now, we have to remember that Jesus had just been severely beaten by the Roman scourge masters, then forced to carry his own cross, then he was nailed to the cross, and finally hung there to die. If anyone should have been angry and vengeful, it should have been Jesus that day. Yet because he was God and full of the Holy Spirit, he reacted out in mercy and compassion. 
And let me translate that in my own words about what that verse says in Luke 23, 34. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And it could be translated, Father, these people do not realize that I am their Messiah. Forgive them, Father. They are acting out of ignorance. I will bear their horrific treatment and hatred because soon they will realize the errors they have made and will seek forgiveness. I know, Father, you would send thousands of angels to set me free. But if you do, then sin and death and Lucifer will not be dealt with and defeated. In other words, Jesus was saying, if I don't go to the cross, then death and Lucifer and sin will uh, remain dominant in the world. I am the only hope of defeating this. And Jesus did that. The death of Christ on the cross was agonizing, but in his agony, he gave us some jewels that can make our life so much better. From the cross, he asked God to forgive them. What an incredible statement considering that they, what they had put him through. Now let's look at a couple of points of the forgiveness of Christ. If we are to be imitators of Christ, our forgiveness should uh, share the same. Now we know from scriptures what else they did to him while he was suffering on the cross and even before that point. In Matthew chapter 27, they tell us that they stripped him of his clothes and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand and mockingly knelt in front of him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and took a staff and struck him on the head again and again. Then they took off the robe and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. That Jesus could forgive the men who were responsible for beating him and torturing him and hanging him on a cross is incredible to say the least. They hurled insults at him and mocked him almost the whole time he was on the cross. Now this brings us to point number one. Jesus forgiving them from the cross is not dependent on the remorse of those who mistreated him. Nowhere in scripture is it recorded that one of Jesus' accusers or abusers came up to him on the cross and said, hey, I'm really sorry for putting you through this. I know you're an innocent man. Yet Jesus made the decision to forgive them even though they obviously weren't sorry. The kind of forgiveness that God has called us to is not dependent upon the person who wronged you to be sorry. Sometimes you may hear other people say, I can't forgive them, they aren't even sorry. Or I can't forgive them because they haven't repented. Don't be like that. Their reaction to the wrongdoing is between them and God. But as far as you, it simply doesn't matter. You have to forgive because if you do not, it will stop you from being the kind of person that God has called you to be. The hurt and resentment will only eat away at you like acid. All of us have hurt or been hurt by others. Forgiving and seeking forgiveness is the only answer to set the situation right. Even if the other person wasn't remorseful at all for the pain they may have caused us, we must also forgive as Christ forgave on the cross that day. When we continue, and this is point two, when we continue to look at the forgiveness of Christ, we come across another point we need to look at. It was a forgiveness that led to the intercessory prayer. Here Jesus 
Christ was praying to his father on behalf of the people who were literally torturing him. It reminds me so much of what Jesus had said earlier in his ministry. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for those who don't treat you the way that you deserve. Pray for those who stomp on your feelings and don't care what they did. That's hard. Now let's make the observation that Jesus didn't say that and not do it himself. Jesus' concern for the very people who were inflicting tense pain on him was beyond his personal forgiveness. He was concerned about the state of these men's souls. Father, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they are doing. You see, when we pray for those who mistreat us, our prayers shouldn't necessarily be, Lord, help them to see what they have done to me and how wrong it is. Help them to be sorry for what they have done. Our prayers should be directed at the salvation of their very souls. Our concern should be that when it is all said and done, that they are in good standing with God. And guess what? When God comes in and creates a new creation in them, they will eventually realize the way they treated you was wrong. If it was a brother or sister in Christ who stepped on your feelings or did something offensive to you, you still pray on their behalf. And if they are in right relationship with God, God will convict them of what they have done. The forgiveness of Christ was a forgiving spirit that looked beyond the pain that came to him through those who mistreated him. And he went to bat for them with his father. Thank goodness that Jesus is still the great intercessor and that he goes to bat for us with the Father God. When I think about someone in Scripture who fell in this area, my mind goes to <laughs> my mind comes to Jonah. Jonah had a hatred for the people of Nineveh, and Nineveh was a wicked city that was known for the br brutality against helpless people and in war. They were full of idolatry, worship, and prostitution. You name it, and Nineveh had it. Many of Jonah's people had experienced the brutality of these ruthless people. God had called him to go preach to the Ninevites. We all know that Jonah didn't want to preach to the Ninevites because he didn't want them to experience what God had for them. And after Jonah experienced three nights in the belly of a big fish, Jonah went back and preached repentance like God told him to. But when they repented and God spared their life, Instead of rejoicing at their repentance, Jonah was angry that God had spared them. Even though Jonah preached to them, he never had forgiven them for their past acts. And he really didn't want them to respond to the gospel. Because he didn't think they deserved the good forgiveness of God. Jonah's lack of forgiveness and his lack of compassion for those who had mistreated him brought bitter attitudes and a scolding from God. Christ called us to pray for our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, but most of all, you must forgive. And when you forgive with the forgiveness of Christ, whether they are sorry or not, it leads to intercessory prayer on their behalf. Some of you may be saying to yourself, Brother, how can you forgive someone who's not even sorry for what they have done to you?
How can you pray for someone's soul that you are so angry at? I believe there is only one way for you to be able to forgive that way. It was only possible because the Father was in Christ. And for us, it's only possible if Christ is in us. Christ showed the forgiveness of the Father because the Father dwelt in him. The forgiveness of Christ is more than we could ever possibly hope to have in our life. In our own strength, there is no way that we could show that kind of forgiveness. In my own strength, there is no way that I could forgive someone for hurting me or my family, especially when they weren't even sorry for it. It's only with Christ dwelling in my heart that I can forgive someone who doesn't deserve my forgiveness. It's only with Christ in my heart that I can forgive someone who isn't even sorry. It's only with Christ dwelling in my heart that I can pray for them and go to bat for them before God and pray for their salvation and forgiveness. Now in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our strength to forgive comes from Christ. Our desire to forgive comes from Christ. Our model to forgive comes from Christ. You see, when Christ is in our hearts, he helps us to see how we are like the person that we need to forgive. He helps us to see that he forgave us when we didn't deserve it. He helps us see ourselves and those we need to forgive. Perhaps the most famous trial in history were known as the Nuremberg Trials, the trials of the Nazi war criminals of World War II. One of the masterminds of probably the worst of all concentration camps was Auschwitz, was Rudolf Hess. His trial was broadcast all over the world. During the trial, witness after witness came forward to the stand to relieve their worst and most brutal treatment known to mankind. Witness after witness told of the brutality and the killings the fear, the gas chambers, the crematorium, and of Hess in the middle of it. If we are to model Jesus in every area of our life, that must include his forgiveness as well. During this study, we have reviewed a couple of points of forgiveness of Christ that our forgiveness should model after. Without Jesus, there would be no forgiveness, only death and the fires of hell. The very Jew that Hitler and his regime were trying to exterminate was the very same Jewish people God chose to be his people. The very city of Jerusalem that is a pivot point of so much hatred and is a stumbling block for the entire world. This is God's chosen city that he called his, Jerusalem. These were God's chosen people, the Jewish people. So if you come against the Jewish people and against Jerusalem with the intent of harming it, you're fighting against God. Okay, so now today we have a new enemy other than Hitler. A new enemy that desires the Jew to be totally destroyed just like Hitler did. The fulfillment of the scripture is being accomplished daily, but the only ones that believe this are his children. They have discerning powers through the Holy Spirit that lives within them because they trust and believe on Jesus Christ. Yes, the Bible tells a story of how all these countries in the Middle East will come against Israel and threaten them with total destruction. And God will fight for his people as he fought in the days of Moses, the days of Joshua, and all the others. Jesus the Christ, the one and only 
begotten Son of God has been promised by God his Father. God has anointed Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. If we look at Psalms chapter 2, we'll find that starting in verse 4, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, that's God. The Lord shall hold them in derision, which is to make sport of. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king, which is Jesus, on my holy hill of Zion, Jerusalem, and I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Friends, if you are without Jesus today, may I assure you that all the Bible says is true and coming to pass. Even now, as I write this, the probability of the Antichrist being alive today is very realistic. Even though he may only be a child, he is still here. So many people don't want God's grace, and, and mistakenly, they believe there is no future life, and that once they die, they just won't exist anymore. Jesus can save all who will believe in him. God loves and wants all of us in his kingdom for eternity. God said it was a pleasure to give us the kingdom. Come to Jesus and be saved today, for today is your day of salvation and not tomorrow. May God richly bless each of you as my closing prayer before we're dismissed. Father, thank you today for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for life and salvation, for the fact that by believing on your beloved Son, and that fact that he, in his death, burial, and resurrection, that we have an opportunity for eternal life to be with you in glory. Father, thank you for all that you do out of your grace, your mercy, and your love for us. And we don't even understand why. But Father, we know one day we will, that you will show us and we will see your love in action. Father, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for the people that come and listen. And Father, I pray that you would be with them. Father, for anyone that doesn't know Jesus, today be the day that they would give their hearts to Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.